and welcome to Mostly Rational, a podcast in which we answer your questions in a way that is rational. Mostly. My name's Tawny Sanchez. And I'm Asia Sanchez. Today, we're picking up where we left off last time with a bunch of random questions. But before we get to that, how about a quick life update? What's new with you, Asia? Life update? Why does this question, like, blindside me every time? Like, I don't think ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Think about what's going on in your life. Um, I finished my taxes, and that's about the biggest deal for me because I've been dreading it all year long. Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> what are they do? <laughs> the 18th. Okay. <sighs> <All right. laughs> I'm even getting a little money back, which is funny because I kept trying to give them money and they kept saying, no, you're poor. Take this money, you little poor kid. Congratulations. Yeah. So that was I mean, nice. I could be wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm not wrong, but aren't you only required to file if you make a certain amount of money? Nope. You are required to pay taxes on any money that you make, no matter how small, in mm, fact. Interesting. People get confused with the $600 thing. It's not that you're not supposed to pay taxes if it's under $600. Really what they're saying is you're less likely to get caught not paying your taxes if it's under $600 because if somebody pays you over $600, they are legally required to send you a tax form, usually a 1099 or a W-2. And if they file that tax form, which they're required to do, or they might get a fee, then the government knows you made money and if the government knows you made money, you don't report it, then you're going to get caught. If it's under $600, they don't have to file that paper, so the government won't necessarily know that you made that money, but you are supposed to still pay taxes on it. Interesting. Yes, I have been misled on that myself before. <laughs> but since I do my own taxes, I've had to read a lot. <laughs> I do my own taxes. I did not read a lot. <laughs> well, I am also self-employed. Yeah, I have a job that makes it pretty easy. When I do more photography business, or any photography business really, I hated, I hated tax season because it's such a pain to try and figure out. And things change too. Um, certain things that you can deduct one year, you can't the next. So you like really have to read through everything. Anyway, can we not talk about taxes? Anyway, life updates for you, Tony. <laughs> uh, life updates for me. Well, I'm trying to think of what happened last time I recorded. That was three months ago. So since then, uh, Kiri and Cheyenne have moved here. Oh, um, right. And are currently living with me. So that's a pretty big life update. Oh, we did not go to Japan. Oh, yeah. That's for both of us. Um, supposed to have been in Japan already at this point. That did not happen. Um Oop. <laughs> and although pretty much immediately when we canceled the tickets, um, South Korea was like, hey, we're open now. Um, but Japan, I don't believe is. And if they are, they have restrictions still. South so. Korea. And South Korea's. They're messing with my love. COVID numbers are not great still, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, did not work out to go this year. Hopefully next year. That's my goal. I'm going to keep an eye out for tickets because I'm determined. But I think actually this time I want to spend more time in South Korea than I had planned for this last trip. Me too. Should we uh, get to the questions? 
Sure. So this first one we have is from <laughs> Sam. And he says, I have a cousin who constantly clogs up my social media feeds. Winky face. Well, I thought you were going to say toilet. <laughs> <laughs> that would be extra funny since you're the cousin that clogs his feed. What? That's why it's oh. a winky face. I thought again you were going to say toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you what go you all the way to his state, use his <laughs> toilet and clog it, and then fly back to California. I was actually doing a lot of research today on flushable wipes <laughs> to see if they would be okay to use with a septic. No, don't do it. Um, and then I was bidet shopping. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I already have a bidet picked out that I want. I just haven't. I know. I, taken I decided. The plunge. It, it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was an Asia joke. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Yeah, it just seemed like a basic dad joke. Anyway, exactly. Yeah, I decided when I do something worthwhile, then I will be like Asia can have a, a little bidet as a treat. Mm. But right now, I need to get a job, so... <laughs> I was going to wait until we find a house, so... This question is coming from my cousin Sam, who is not getting to keep his anonymous question-asker rights on this podcast because he has insulted me by I mean, claiming I clog up his social media feed, when in fact it is not my fault that I... I'm the most prominent person on his social media feed. It is, in fact, a sign that he does not have enough friends. I was all, I was <laughs> going to make a real suggestion to Sam, mm -hmm. which is to um, mute Asia if it really bothers him. No, the because... real suggestion is just get more people on your feed so there's a less a lower yes, Asia concentration. The solution to a clog is to add more things. <laughs> Listen. Because he wants more to look at. I object <laughs> to this comparison of my carefully curated content I to a clog. Carefully the alliteration aside, <laughs> there's no other comparison. Okay. Well, all I'm saying is that I have muted so many people on Instagram because I want to be able to follow them and look at their stuff if I if I'm in the mood. But generally, I don't want to see, um, you know, everybody's story where they go to the gym every day and feel the need to post about it, or well, you know, the pictures of their coffee. You're not going to see that or from me. <laughs> their doodles, or hey, <laughs> I made a whole separate Instagram for that. Yeah, well, that's another thing. Like so many Instagrams, Asia. Okay, I can't win. I try not to clog up the feed by posting it all on my main account, let people choose what they want to follow, and then people give me grief for having too many accounts. All right. Should we go to the next question? Yes. Give me a minute. I need to let the steam subside. <laughs> this world is against me. Well, the, the thing is, like, he doesn't... If you're going to follow someone, like, you can't complain about they post exactly like don't unfollow though the thing is especially <laughs> i mean before it used to be that um if you followed someone you did have to see everything you know 
um, unless you, you know, just didn't open the app. But, like, now there's so many options to... Options. What? You said options, like options. <laughs> Whatever. Options. <laughs> there's so many options to, like, clean out individual an individual's content for yourself like Clean you out. can mute their you can mute their stories if you if they post too many stories but they don't post like a post very often you can mute, mute them entirely if they post too often unclog yeah Just uh, pour some drano in there <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm learns what you want to look at so if you're only seeing my stuff sorry the algorithm knows better it knows what you want to see just given JK, you can change things to show up in chronological order now. Yeah, there's an option for that, on Instagram at least. Um, a mysterious voice has appeared to me, Tawny, to tell me that, <laughs> in fact, you have the same number of Instagram accounts that I have. Yes, I do, but I don't post on them very much. The same number. <laughs> <laughs> I probably post the most on my photography account, and I have not posted on there in, like, over six months. This is what I believe they call the textbook definition of hypocrisy. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> anyway, I'm just gonna ask the next question. Dear Asia. That's me. And Tawny. Oh. I'm a new cat guardian. How do I get it to stop jumping on counters? Wait, wait, wait. The second half of the question kind of ruins the first half of the question. Because without the second half, it could mean that you've become the guardian of a cat. It could also mean that you have become a guardian who is a cat. <laughs> but then the second half of the question kind of ruins it. I'm a new cat guardian. <laughs> Which was would be such a much better question. Mm. Um, anyway, sorry. I'm just sad about the lost premise. I have heard that if you put foil on counters, the cat will jump up and get scared by the sound and stop jumping on the counters. But I have also heard that that does not work for every cat. I will, like, just kind of shove it off the counter. It's not going to hurt the cat. The cat will be fine. And I feel like if you are consistent enough in whatever you do, it'll work. One thing that I have done to keep cats away from certain areas in general is use like tea tree oil or eucalyptus oil, something essential and strong, and put it where I don't want them to go sniffing around. It's too strong for them and they don't want to smell that. So that is one thing you can do. The, the problem is like with putting things like that, you know, you have to be okay with the smell and having something on your surface like foil. You could also squirt them with a water bottle every time they get on a surface you don't want, but you have to be there and see it happening all the time. That's the thing. I think the idea of the foil is it's supposed to make them scared to jump on the counter so you don't have to keep the foil there forever. And the idea of the scent would be good if it's a scent that you like because then again, it's passive and you don't have to be there every time. That's the problem because I know my cats, they know they're not supposed to be on the counters, but they don't care one little bit if I'm not there to see them do it. <laughs> so yeah. because I know they know they're not supposed to because the second I say their name or advance towards them, they run away. Yeah. But I can't do that all the time. And Peach has developed a habit of jumping up to see if there's something to lick, like butter. Yeah, she 
when they were under my care, they were pretty good at about not getting on counters, but it was more often than not. Care. Uh, <laughs> when I was the cat <laughs> guardian. <mean> tyrannical rule. <laughs> they were much more well-behaved when they were my cats. I know, I'm the hippie mom. That's why I'm going to be the cool aunt someday. We are going to be ants, kind of. Uh, to whom? Summer is pregnant. She's announced oh. it on the internet, so I'm talking about it on the internet now. Um, She's my sister's sister-in-law. That barely counts. I, f- I feel like that's still kind of your sister-in-law. I don't think I call any of my aunt's siblings also my aunt. I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway... This next question is not a question. Oh, what's with people sending us not questions? The thing is, they could be phrased in a way that's a question. They just don't. Anyway, they, I relate to a lot. They would lose points on Jeopardy. <laughs> it's, um, it's a struggle. But it just says, and I don't know who this is from, it says, can't pick a hobby, want to do everything, don't have time to do everything. Tell me about it. I... Okay, I will. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many things that I want to do. Like, even when it comes to one type of hobby, like music, there's so many things I want to do with music. Too many instruments I want to learn. And so I just, like, have become very mediocre at the ones that I have taken the time to learn. Because I'm like, all right, I've reached a decent point. Let's move on to the next one. And, and then, like, I don't know. I haven't played guitar in a while because, you know, I picked up knitting and then i'm like wait no i gotta draw no i gotta practice this and then it's just it's a never-ending cycle of switching between hobbies and just being mediocre at everything and it's terrible it's just that we're simply too talented and we don't know (laughs) to which hobby to give our full gifts no i i was just looking around while you were talking trying to see evidence of my half-finished endeavors and hobbies that I gave a ton of energy to for the first five minutes and then moved on. So just from where I'm sitting, I can see my... The other day, I said my barrel, (laughs) as if a barrel is a standard thing to have in a room. And just now, I almost said my small barrel... Because I have, have also more than one barrel, <laughs> a small barrel in my room, <laughs> which holds my my crochet accoutrement, and I have uh, an exercise ball sitting over there because I was definitely gonna hundred percent use that. I could totally exercise indoors if only I had an exercise ball. It's not working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, got sketchbooks all over the place, this packing slip because I'm going to start selling vintage and reselling thrift store stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Reselling thrift store stuff, but I haven't put it in the mail yet. My Apple Pencil over there because I'm going to be... I'll I'll be a successful digital artist and comic maker as soon as I have an iPad and an Apple Pencil. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it, man. So much work. (sighs) I got my whole art studio back here that I never go into. I have so (laughs) many ideas for comics that I want to do. Like, I have a file because I want to base a lot of my comics off tweets I've made. But, like, I I can't pick a style. 
of how I want to draw them. And I'm like, I just don't, I don't know what to do. And so... Honey, I've been making (laughs) comics since I was a child and I still cannot pick a stinking style. Well, I know what style you should do. What? I don't know how to describe it to you. No. Well, it's like, maybe like (laughs) there's bits of that in it, but you have like a more sketchy version. Um, My ballpoint pen comics? No, I don't know. I'd I'd have to look at your stuff and and show you. I didn't even need to get an iPad. (laughs) But like the, do you know um, your comic that you have where you like go into like, what is it, a cryogenics lab and you're like, I'm sad. You know that comic? Yeah. I like the style in that comic a lot. And if you were to do that, but actually put it in panels and not keep it all over the place, I feel like just stick with that. That's a good style. I'll have to see if I can recreate it digitally. That's the problem is when I am drawing with pen, it's easy for me to keep it simple. But when I have like all these tools at my disposal and fancy brushes and things on the tablet, then I can get a little carried away and Mm -hmm. forget how to keep things simple. So I will try to take that feedback and try to translate that style digitally. Cool. I do have actually advice for this person. I don't, whoever it is. Oh, right. We were trying to give someone else advice. Yeah. um, Although I relate to this, I don't think it is... The worst thing in the world to have a bunch of hobbies. In fact, I find it way more interesting when somebody has a lot of interests, like to talk to them or to like hang out with them versus someone who's fixated on one thing, you know? Oh my goodness. And when it's something you couldn't care less about. Yeah. So, (laughs) so like having a lot of skills and a lot of hobbies is just like a really good quality in my opinion, although it can get frustrating if it turns into not being able, you know, to stick to like a job or something. If it's a flighty behavior versus just like having a lot of interests, there's a difference there. Another advantage of that is sometimes if it's something that you can enjoy by all rights, but that could be damaging to your goals or people around you if it becomes an obsession becomes a whole nother life sometimes it becomes people's replacement career which could be okay depending on the circumstances but when you have a lot of little hobbies they're a lot less likely to take over your whole life and turn into a job as opposed to just being things that you enjoy for their own sake which i think is the primary benefit of having a hobby in the first place something that you're not stressed out over, you know, and relying on for income. My attempts to turn my hobbies into a job have had very, very minor success, but I don't know if they'll ever have major success because as soon as they become something that I must do, they don't feel like hobbies anymore and I lose interest and want to do something else. So, I mean, that's just me and there are different personalities and approaches to things. Some people only have room in their life for one hobby and they can just keep things balanced. So that's great. Good for them. Um, I had another thing, but I forgot what it was. (laughs) Got distracted. By your barrels. (laughs) I'm like looking around to see if I only have two. (laughs) I think I only have two barrels. When you were looking around your room for all your different hobbies, I'm like, there's so many in here. I've got... A basket and a bag full of knitting, like yarn and knitting needles and crochet hooks. I've got several instruments in here. I've got a bunch of books, a bunch of notepads. Those are just 
the very obvious ones. I'm sure there's more in here. Looking in your room right now tells me that if I had to guess, your main hobby would be collecting baskets. <laughs> in which to put, I don't know, smaller baskets. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's exactly right. I just collect baskets. That's another hobby. But you know, I'll never really be good at collecting baskets because I get distracted by my other hobbies. Tawny, you know how people sometimes they make the mistake of letting people know that they like something or they claim to like something. Yeah. And then it becomes the gift that everybody gets them forever. Like Kiri has everything in elephants. Yeah, I hope you're prepared to never get anything but increasingly small baskets <laughs> for the rest of your life. And I expect nothing but tiny barrels. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> and that'll be the new name of our podcast, Barrels and Baskets. This sounds like a... Like a blog from a mom with like a boho style baskets house. Baskets and barrels. Or no, no, no. Baskets and barrels would be a very shabby Etsy chic shop. or like <laughs> farmhouse style. <laughs> so that's what I'm imagining. It's one of those businesses that like don't make a profit, but like you're a stay at home mom and your husband just kind of pays for it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's just like your hobby job. Yeah. But you're like needlessly mean to your employees anyway yeah let's do it <laughs> no thank you uh you know i have a lot of hobbies that's uh, interests that's not one of them oh uh just one last thing for the person with a lot of hobbies try not to make the mistake i do which is mistaking your desire to do the hobby with your true desire which is shopping for the hobby <laughs> yeah. and then like once you get all the supplies you're like oh <gasps> I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> that is not it's a problem. That's not a problem I have. Um, that's that's very sad to be honest, because like that's just a waste it's of money. It's not that I don't want to do it. It's just that I'd rather take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's not wanting to do it. Um, no. But I, my problem is I just have very limited time, and so I have to break up my hobbies. So it's like. This week, I'll play guitar for an hour. Next week, I'll do some knitting. Or I try to, like, multitask with my hobbies. So I'm like, okay, well, while I do this, I can also draw for the first time in three months. <laughs> okay, next question. How on earth do you improve your handwriting? I've had the same handwriting since fifth grade, so I have no idea. Actually... Well, ostensibly, it has uh, improved since fourth grade, then. So, what'd you do? Um, well, I practiced, and I do think my handwriting has slightly improved, but the style has not changed that much, very little bit, because it it's legible, so I kind of reached a point where I was like, well, that's good enough. So, pick a goal and keep practicing <laughs> until you get there. Oh, you goal-oriented people. My handwriting changes constantly. My handwriting will change in the middle of a word. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I don't know. It depends on the day, which is true of almost everything I say and do. However, writing a lot helps. Over the last few years, I have written a lot of letters and I feel like I've become more comfortable with handwriting again. Like, I was in school before I had to start typing everything. So just write a lot. Maybe look at handwriting that you like and steal from it. I used to do that. I would see little quirks in other people's handwriting and I would 
adopt the ones that I liked. Like, I hated my letter T's, so I stole my eighth grade math teacher's letter T's, and they're still the T's that I do to this day. I stole my Y's from Chloe. I adopted a different letter Y in eighth grade, too, and then people told me that it was, like, a preppy Y, and I was like, oops, and I stopped doing that Y, so I also cared too much what people thought. Did it have, like, a loop to it? Uh, no, that's more my natural Y. It was a weird Y, where, so you would do the top part of the Y as kind of like a U shape, and then for the tail, you would come down. And then you would cut them up again and do like an upside down sort of view mm. for the tail. That's it was terrible. Very unnecessary and yes, not very aesthetically pleasing. My Y's are like a U, but then just with like a straight down tail. Like it just straight whoop. down. Yeah, it just goes straight down. And what's also really annoying <sighs> about my handwriting Basic. is that I it makes it sort of illegible. Is uh. My G's and Q's look pretty much exactly the same because they're just a circle with a straight down tail. So you have to like take them in context because otherwise they don't make sense. Sometimes if I'm trying to make something like super clear, I will put the extra effort in for like a G or a Q, but generally there is the context, so it's not necessary. For our question asker, I mean, you could do old school stuff like they gave us those pieces of paper with the lines to practice the handwriting. Every day, way to do drills. Yeah. <laughs> you can always do those. Print them off the internet. I mean, I, I really don't know how else to answer this other than, like, you, need, you just have to practice. Um, I need to know how bad. Is it just that you don't like it, or is it illegible? If it's illegible, then you probably should improve it. If it's just the look of it you don't care for, eh, who cares? <laughs> I, I hate the look of my handwriting, but I don't care enough to... It also depends it. on perception. I think my handwriting looks like cartoonish, and somebody recently looked at it and said I had pretty handwriting. I was like, okay, so you know, depends. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next not question is: I laugh when I enjoy myself, not just when things are funny. You know, laugh when you feel the urge to laugh. I don't see any problem with that. Yeah, laughter doesn't have to be the consequence of a joke. Look at babies. <laughs> They just laugh because they're happy. Although, try to contain yourself when you're, like, at a funeral or something. <laughs> That's just us, Tawny. <laughs> I, I laugh when I'm nervous. Um, yeah. And That's different. That is like a anxiety response sort but of thing. But that's not enjoying ourselves. That's our uh, that's our brain saying, "Gosh, I wish I were enjoying myself." <laughs> yeah. But I'm not. Yeah, I know some people who I would describe as exuberant and they they just start laughing when they're having a good time. They're like, "Aha!" You know, like nothing wrong with it. Uh, what's that like? I know, right? <laughs> I do it sometimes. Sometimes, oh, sometimes I don't know how much I want to be in bed until <laughs> I get in my bed. And then as soon as I feel that feeling of getting in my bed and pulling the covers over, I get so giddy, I kick my feet and I giggle. Hmm. <laughs> I love bed. So. <laughs> what? I guess that's when I do that. That's when I become exuberant. <laughs> I very rarely feel that excited to be in bed. Oh, I love it. So like, nice. I think it takes a long trip 
I like when I go on vacation, I miss my bed. But like on a regular basis, going to bed at night, I'm just like, ugh. I mean, it's not, I'm not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy how much I, because like, I'm not even tired. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think what it is, is I start to get in bed and then it almost feels like, haha, life hack. I was feeling vaguely uncomfortable about existence. Now I'm escaping. (laughs) Hee hee. Take that, world. I've escaped. Nice. Discomfort solved. So our next question, would you like to read, Asia? Next question. Um, My house ladybug friend hasn't appeared for her daily snack of wet raisin. Is she mad at me? I have to say this is my favorite question out of this entire list of questions. Purely because it's a wet raisin. (laughs) Specifically wet raisin. (laughs) (laughs) As a person who used to have as her email signature for every single outgoing email, Queen of the Ladybugs, because I was a cringy tween, I can answer this question with some authority. Uh, The answer is that this ladybug may be offended that you are assuming that they are a lady. Um, Um, As was taught to us in the documentary A Bug's Life. Yeah. That we must avoid. Yeah. So. <laughs> I also think it's funny that we treat ladybugs with, like, such kindness because they're cute when they are, in fact, beetles that will bite you. I've never had a but, ladybug bite But, like, if we just saw me. a random beetle in our house, we'd be like, ew. I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. <laughs> I've never had a ladybug bite me, but I have had a ladybug poop on me. Like, pretty much every time I hold a ladybug, it poops on me. And I'm like, why? Why you gotta do this to me? I don't understand. Please don't. I just wanted to hang out, you know? What I want to know is how you knew a ladybug had pooped on you. I would imagine it would be too small to perceive. No, because they're... When they, like, poop on you, it's, like, liquidy. And it's, like, little blob of liquid goo. Ew. It's more like pee. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, bird poo is liquidy. Beetle poo is liquidy. That might be their only excretion. It's Beetlejuice. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you on fire today? (laughs) I don't think anybody else would view it that way, but I'm glad you do. You've made two puns. That's enough for me. (laughs) Okay, our our next question is, I can't draw at all, and I don't know where to start. What tips, tricks, tools do I need, Asia? (laughs) what makes you think i would have answers um okay i have talked about this i think on the podcast before so i won't go too far into it the fact that i have taken multiple art classes and there is almost always a set of people there who do not think they can draw at all and it's simply because they've never been taught the basics and have never practiced. And then at the end of the semester, some of them would be better than me, which was infuriating, but also just evidence that they had talent, just no drive or desire or education that revealed it. So whether or not you're one of those people, I don't know, but there are exercises that you can do to help increase your skill without like being exhaustive a few of the exercises you can do include uh, drawing without looking at the paper the drawing will not be good but it will teach you to look at 
what you're drawing and draw what you really see instead of drawing what you think you see, which is very different. Drawing with a very loose hand, sketching, drawing, trying to copy a picture upside down and covered. So again, you're teaching yourself to draw what you see instead of what you think you see. If you're trying to draw a portrait, try drawing it on a piece of paper that you have gridded out and copy each individual square of the grid. Um, those are all like basic art one exercises that will help, but it, it also depends on what kind of art you're going for. Um, those are, those are specific to learning to draw realism, which I highly recommend doing first anyway, even if you are going to have an eventually a more cartoonish stylized style, it's still best to learn the basics. You can kind of tell the difference between a person who didn't learn the basics first and a person who did, even if they have a very cartoonish style later on. Yeah. I think it's best to learn that way. It's like you got to learn the rules before you can break them. Yep. That applies to writing too, I think. Yeah. Something I think also applies to photography and other forms of art. I definitely... can tell when certain photographers have not actually learned how to use their camera mm-hmm. and they're like relying on filters or relying on their camera to take care of things for them and they don't know how to fix it either like in the moment or afterwards. Right. So the number one thing, like those are all fancy exercises for drawing skills. The number one thing is to draw a lot, like a lot, like everyday draw. Uh, I don't draw every day like I used to, which is why my increase in skill has slowed down over the years. Uh, It used to go up noticeably every year, uh, and I feel like it, it stagnates because I'm not actively drawing every single day. If you want to improve, that's the fastest way to do it. I have seen people start drawing, and they're terrible. And then, like, within a year, they will get at least as good as me, if not better. And I've been drawing my whole life. And it's because they are clearly drawing every single day and they are looking up videos and they are putting the work into it. So that is the main thing Mm -hmm. that you have to do. Imagine that. Practice. Yep. Not my strong suit. (laughs) For me, the, the reason like some people just thought it came naturally to me was just because I enjoyed it. So I did it a lot. For other people who don't have like that natural drive to do it, they might have to be more deliberate about doing the practice. Mine was just kind of incidental because I liked it. <laughs> uh, this next question, Tawny, I would like to get your advice on because I uh, I struggle with this. I, I do well for a little bit, but then I always fall back into old habits. And this person asks, well, they don't really ask. <laughs> this person states, I have high hopes for my morning routine, but sleep in every time. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a better person to answer this, to be (laughs) honest, either. Um, I sleep in a bit compared to other people. I wouldn't say that I sleep an excessive amount, though. It's more just I have a very hard time going to sleep before 1 a.m. And it's also very difficult for me to wake up before 10. And even if I do manage to go to bed earlier, my body does not want to wake up before 10 o'clock. And I've had a couple people tell me recently that like just different people have different... um, Circadian rhythms. Yeah. And so it's really hard to fight against that. And I... My whole life, I've always just been wanting to be a morning person, and I'm definitely not a morning person. (laughs) So 
The only thing I can recommend is try to find a schedule that works with that, which is not always possible because, you know, jobs and stuff. But if you can work towards that, it makes life a whole lot easier when you can start your day later when you naturally want to sleep in later. I actually think that I would do better as a morning person if I got up not at a normal hour, but at like a ridiculously early hour. Like 3 (laughs) a.m. Like, yeah, basically the still nighttime. Because you know when I went to sleep last night? Like after 4 in the morning. (sighs) Which partially because I took too long of a nap yesterday, but I don't know. Like I kept trying to sleep. I was tired. I wanted to sleep, but my brain was just not ready. It was like, no, as soon as I would try to sleep, it was like, I can think of better things to do. Whereas during the day, it's like, you know what sounds good? Sleep. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that I have noticed, um, and that makes sense with like when you, when your body's like trying to get you to wake up producing what cortisol versus melatonin. I've realized that there's a lot of times where I want to sleep more because my eyes feel tired, but my brain is awake. My brain is just like, you know, and it's not dreaming. I'm not sleeping. I'm just laying there with my eyes closed. And if I get up once my brain is awake, I feel better throughout the day. If I try to like force myself to go back to sleep because my eyes are tired or dry, it will like really mess me up. So that's one thing is make sure that like you're sleeping in because your brain is actually wanting to sleep still. You bring up a good point because I think that's true. When I just get up, I will feel better instead of giving into the temptation to keep sleeping. However, my willpower (laughs) is not there unless there is a solid reason for me to get out of bed. And that is usually not strong enough unless somebody else is relying on me. I was going to say the same thing. Accountability. You have to set up accountability for yourself to wake up Mm -hmm. on time. Like, have someone rely on you. Because I will not wake up unless somebody's relying on me. All these people who are like, you got to be there for yourself. You got to show up for yourself. You got to love yourself enough to to show up and do the healthy thing to care. No, it's not going to happen. Like, I need... (laughs) I'm like, I got to do it for me? That idiot? I don't think so. Um, So, yeah, the healthiest thing for me is like to have a pet who needs to be taken on a walk like when I'm pet sitting I get up a lot earlier because I have to take care of other people's pets my pets have a much more afternoon based schedule for me reasons but (laughs) but other people's pets are used to getting up early and will wake me up at like five or six in the morning so that's what I do when I go on like vacations with other people I always get up early. Like, I'm almost always the first one up because my body is like stressed and it's like, you can't, you can't have anyone waiting on you. You need to get up now. Get ready. Get ready. Yeah. I have like no problem getting up early on vacation Mm -hmm. usually. Yeah. But I do think accountability is a really good (laughs) method. Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to stoop to that or (laughs) rely on that. But do what you got to do, you know? Do what you got to do. And, you know, I don't know if this is necessarily an ADHD thing in our case, but it does seem to run in the family, at least to different degrees. And I was talking to Kiri, our other sister, about this earlier today, 
because she was laying in bed and procrastinating on getting out of bed, even though she needed she to do things. She told me about this because I brought yeah. I brought up um, executive dysfunction earlier. And yeah, she, was she like, needed to yeah. get up and cook, and she needed to go to the bathroom, and she was procrastinating on both of those things uh, until I accidentally called her on Instagram, and she she was like, thank you for helping me to get up and cook these potatoes, and I was like, okay, I never thought of Curious having ADHD, but may, I think this executive dysfunction problem that is aided by mirroring other people or having other people in the room definitely runs in the family. I think she definitely has, now that I live with them too, and I see it more firsthand, definitely relies on Shane to wake her up and keep the schedule going because he is very like, just, you know, on top of that kind of thing and will wake up super early and like give himself a schedule. And I think being around him that long has kind of given her those skills on her own a bit, but like definitely see how he still does that for her. <laughs> he is maybe the most neurotypical person, <laughs> at least in our family. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if she's ever punched him in her sleep. Like she used to punch me in her sleep when I tried to wake her up. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> she's a very violent sleeper and she's a dirty rotten liar when she's asleep what she used to open her eyes and tell me she was awake and to leave her alone <laughs> and then she'd come in the room 20 minutes later yelling at me for not waking her up yeah <laughs> liar where did this question start oh yeah morning routine <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I think we've answered that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, just don't, if you live with somebody else, please just don't do the thing that my sisters used to do, which was when they shared a room with me, we were all sharing one room and they were still in school, but I had graduated, but I did have to drive them to school. They each had their own alarm clock <laughs> that they set for at least an hour before they actually intended to get out of bed. <laughs> And it was one of those little cheap alarms that only had one sound setting, which was, as I recall, something approximate to wah, 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 wah. And they would hit snooze, I don't know, 10 times each. So these were just going off in turn for about an hour, robbing me not only of sleep, but of inner peace. <laughs> it don't was, do that it was a necessity though because i had to leave for school by like 6 30 a.m and was, i can't then why would you steal your last hour of sleep <laughs> because it takes me a long time to wake up like i have to have an alarm that like sets off a process basically and then continuously like slowly wake up from it just get up I can't. You have to. No. Anyway. I can't. It's one of those situations <laughs> in which people were relying on you. <laughs> but clearly not people you cared enough about to not wake up ten times a morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not my fault that our mom decided the other bedroom should be a giant closet. Yes, it is. <laughs> As the youngest child, you wielded disproportionate power you should have used. <laughs> I tried, to man. Her otherwise. I tried. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous that we all have to share a room and a closet. Actually, I wanted her to take that room. You mean instead of sleeping on the couch? Yeah. Which made it monumentally more difficult to sneak in at night? <laughs> no, not really, because we had a back door into our room. 
I don't know. For some reason, I still remember always like tiptoeing by her. That door was very loud. The back mm. door. It was like this makes it sound like we were out partying instead of <laughs> like getting a burrito. <laughs> late <at night. laughs> well, it's because Adalberto's was the best mm-hmm. at you know two in the morning. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> our next question. I'm addicted to honey Dijon kettle chips. Please help. That's an expensive addiction, not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean... Also sounds painful on the mouth. Yeah, I personally don't love potato chips unless they are salt and vinegar potato chips. Ooh, the most painful of the chips. And the kettle ones. I understand the addiction. It is very difficult. Um, However, they make me extremely sick feeling. Me too. So I don't eat them anymore. The kettle ones, especially if I eat too many, yeah, they make me I can feel have sick. other brands and feel like it. But the kettle ones, I don't know what's in them, but they will keep me up all night because I feel sick from them. Do you have foods that when you're actively eating them, you do like them and even have trouble stopping to eat them? But when you try to imagine eating them, they gross you out. Because for me, the main two that come to mind are peanut butter and kettle chips. I enjoy eating both of those while I'm eating them. But in my imagination, like in my taste memory, they make me gag. I don't know what it is. Because I have a very strong taste memory. I think popcorn sometimes. Anytime someone's eating popcorn, I'm just like, ew, gross. But then if I actually like take some, I'm like, I want more popcorn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's certain foods that I associate with feeling unwell that I do that with. Because like, I'm just like, ugh. But... Not not too many, I don't think. Maybe it's because they're such oily foods. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a really hard time with oily foods. I <laughs> stop buying the Honey Dijon chips. That's the number one way to not... <laughs> to, I can't tell you how much I should not have bought that pack of double-stuffed Oreos last week. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then I ate them. You double-stuffed That's funny how that works. I can live without Oreos every day when I don't have them near me. Yeah. Uh, I would say that give go cold turkey for two weeks um, and break the addiction. And then you, you really won't crave them as much. Yeah, replace them with something else, like salt and vinegar kettle chips. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you remember when mom was addicted to lime diet Coke or something? Uh, Yeah, she would try to send me to the convenience store to to get a Snicker bar and a diet lime Coke. It was a very healthy diet. And I started when it, for a bit, it was just her and I living together. And I started to like drink some of her Coke and it is seriously very easy to get addicted to. I had to like completely cut it off and I'm like, you need to cut this out of your diet, like completely. She's like, I only, I just... I can't. And I'm like, you can though. And the fact that you feel like you can't is a very bad sign and you're going to get kidney stones. Imagine so if like, you did real drugs. <laughs> I know, right? Um, I know. I think that stuff runs in our family. We get so hooked so easily on stuff. Well, there are certain things like, like that that are meant to be addictive because they want you to keep buying more. But she, you know, she cut it out for like a while. I don't think she's really um, had any since then. But no, it's because we're all addicted to LaCroix now, which honestly, definitely the least of two evils. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I do think that in order to break an addiction, like you have to be completely off of it for at least a couple of weeks, at least food addictions. 
Uh, I know that, like, if I go off sugar, I stop craving it after about, like, a week and a half. So, you can do it. Or, alternatively, you could do the smoke 10 packs of cigarettes method and eat nothing but honey Dijon potato chips until they make you want to puke. That is also a method. Definitely not the healthier of the two methods. I mean, that's basically the accidental method I took with the the salt and vinegar chips. So (laughs) That's the accidental method I took with rigatoni from Bonarotti's. Oh, interesting. I still crave that. I would eat that all the time. And then one day I was like, yay, can't wait to eat my rigatoni. Took a bite and it was like, ugh, gross. I couldn't even like smell it. I've done that with a lot of foods because I get lazy picking different foods out. And so I will just eat the same thing over and over and over and over. And then I'm like, I hate this now. And then I pick a new food and I'm like, (laughs) eat it over and over and over. You can hold out longer than I can. I can't eat the same thing more than like two days. It also depends on what it is. Because like, I remember when I was younger, still eating pizza, there was like a certain pizza that I would always ask mom to get. And I ate it all the time, but it, it didn't last super long. Um, same thing like with Chipotle. She would always get the same Chipotle burrito. Couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't handle it. Oh, that made me ugh. But yeah, if, it's really something like, if it's something really simple, then yeah, I can eat it for a long time. Those pork Chipotle burritos, they did make me want to gag. I mean, I didn't... The thing is, I didn't really love those to begin with. Right, me either. So. It happens to me a lot with spaghetti. Because I love spaghetti and I will crave it. And then I'll just, like, yum, indulge in the spaghetti. But then if I try to keep eating that multiple meals in a row, then I'm like, I hate spaghetti and I always have and I always will. Um, another really- Until I take a big spaghetti break. <laughs> <laughs> a really good way to get unaddicted from a food is to develop an allergy to it, like I do. And mm-hmm. then you cannot do it unless you want to risk your life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So somehow we came up with a method even more unhealthy than the overindulging one. <laughs> yeah. So. Have you tried poisoning the chips? Just a little poison. <laughs> that will certainly turn you off of them. That was obviously a joke, but I'm suddenly worried. Please don't poison your chips. That's my disclaimer. Don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have probably time for one more question, and it's somewhat related, which is why I wanted to ask. Yes, I don't eat much. I simply have little appetite, and my ADHD makes me forget to do it a lot. Can't relate. Just kidding, I can! Despite all appearances, I often neglect to eat food. Yeah. (laughs) It's just that when I do eat the food, I I like very fattening foods, and so it kind of makes up for it. And also, I don't do much physical activity, and also, I don't have a very good metabolism, and I have a thyroid disorder. So, however, eating food, I think, is something that I used to do for comfort and to relieve boredom as a kid, which is awesome pre-eating disorder behavior. And the flip side of that is that when you're not feeling bored because you're hyper-focused on something else, then food can take a back seat. Sometimes. And if food was never one of your main interests to begin with, unlike me, then it could really, really take a back seat. So I kind of see maybe that's what's happening here a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I have the problem where I eat anytime I'm bored. (laughs) Yeah. Again, that runs in the family. (laughs) Yeah. I, but I will forget to eat if I am busy or stressed or just otherwise occupied. And sometimes, like, oops, it's dinner time and I have had nothing today except like 
coffee or tea or something. You know, I don't know how much it matters unless it's leading to health problems. Like, I don't feel like forgetting to eat sometimes is is that bad. However, if you if you don't have much of an appetite, I feel like that is a symptom of something. It depends on if you're getting enough nutrients when you do eat, too. Yeah. Like, if you're not eating as many meals, then you need to make sure you're eating nutritionally dense foods. If you're if you're trying to build a bunch of muscle or something, obviously you need to eat a lot more calories. But if you're mostly focused on just your health, then you just need to be making sure that you're eating a well-rounded diet so you get all the nutrients you need and vitamins. And you can supplement vitamins, but it's usually best to try and get it through your food. Yeah, I do agree with that. I I still think though that there is there should be research done into why there's no appetite because that seems unusual and not healthy. Just, I mean, when I'm stressed, that's why I don't use because I lose my appetite. Right. And in order to have like somewhat balanced diet, you need to crave foods. <laughs> craving foods is not a bad thing as long as you're not craving just junk food. So usually the times that I have lost a lot of weight very quickly have been because I was very, very stressed and anxious and the idea of food made me want to gag. And the problem is I would lose weight, but I think a lot of that was muscle mass because I also couldn't do much physical activity. It is very hard, I'm certain, on your whole body and your organs to lose your appetite in that way. Other times I have lost weight from not eating, though, have been, I think, healthier. Well, more positive anyway. <laughs> Maybe not healthier. But like, I'm very busy. I'm working on something that I'm passionate about. That's a, also a kind of stress that makes me want to eat less food. But I feel like it's got to be less unhealthy just because it's got more positive feelings associated with it. And probably it's just causing me to not eat food that I didn't need to eat in the first place that I was just eating because I was bored. And plus, I'll lose more weight because I tend to be more physically active in that situation because I'm busy, I'm working. But yeah, if, if it has nothing to do with being distracted, if it's more to do with just never feeling hungry or food making you sick, then you would want to figure out if there is possibly a medical reason behind it. Yep. I concur. <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> Doctor. We are not doctors. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> so many disclaimers. So I think that's all you have time for today. Mm -hmm. Unless we want to ask one last fun question. Oh, fun. Okay. Did you know... This question is from Kiri, by the way. Did you know that Pepper Ann is voiced by Luke Dane's sister? Luke Dane being the character on Gilmore Girls. Mm -hmm. And I believe the character's sister in the show, which makes sense because I'm picturing her voice now. Totally sounds like a Pepper Ann voice. Oh Raspy. my goodness, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about her. Wow, that is a fun question. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that. That's the answer to that. <laughs> I did, I guess, at some point because I saw when she asked this question in the first place, but I forgot. So that's a fun fact about me is that you can just keep telling me the same fun fact over and over again because I am turning into my mother. That's great. 
Don't we yeah, all love so that good. feeling? Yes. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Okay. I'm just glad I don't have children who can make fun of me for it all the time like <laughs> I do to her. <laughs> you would think there'd be some level of sympathy there, but apparently not. Nope. Because she always used to say, I can't wait until you have kids so you know how it feels. And I was like, noted. <laughs> so you're not having children out of spite. <laughs> Because you don't want your your children to be your bullies. Tawny, have you seen how old parents get? <laughs> I have noticed that, yes. They right? do age. They age and and they're surprised too because one second they're in their 20s and then five seconds later they've got this adult and they're like, oh my gosh, how am I in my 50s? <laughs> yeah. How did that math even work? That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support our podcast and enjoy some sweet bonus content, you can head on over to patreon.com slash mostly rational, where you can hear our blooper reels and bonus episodes for as little as a dollar per episode. If you would like to send in a question, you can do so at mostlyrationalpodcast.com or you can email us at mostlyrationalpod at gmail.com. Yes, and thank you to our brand new unpaid intern, Mr. Manager, Connor. Yes. Would you like to say hello, Connor, even though you're not being recorded? <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's not so much an unpaid intern because that implies any benefits whatsoever, um, so much as he is like a volunteer that we're taking advantage of. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we're like, hey, you like doing these things. Connor Connor is invested in the success of our podcast. So he's helping us out by sorting questions and reminding us to actually follow through on recording. So hopefully, hopefully, should I say this? Our podcast will be more regular in the future. And if it's not, it's all the fault of this person we're not paying in any way. Exactly. All right. That's all for now. Unless it becomes really successful, then we might like throw him a 20. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm going to stop recording now. Bye. Bye.